Uh, can I hear you? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, great. Okay, great. Perfect. Okay. Now I'm wearing two f- pairs of headphones at once. Hey, everybody. It is Mike Birbiglia. We are back with another episode of Working It Out this week with Jimmy Kimmel. He's hosting the Emmys on Sunday. And uh, he's with us this week. It's crazy. He's, uh, he's an old friend. He's someone who was really championed my career early on. And uh, I, am, I will always be grateful to. He's a brilliant uh, comic and host of Jimmy Kimmel Live. I do want to uh, plug one thing before we go further. If you're in the tri-state area this Wednesday, I will be doing a Working It Outdoors uh, show, Working It Outside with Mike Birbiglia and Hassan Minaj, who was on this show a few episodes ago. We are outdoors at Monmouth Park Racetrack in Oceanport, New Jersey. I know that sounds a little silly on its face, but I did a show with John Mulaney there a couple weeks ago, and you'd think, Mike Birbiglia, John Mulaney at a racetrack, what's that all about? It was really fun. I think people who went to it were thrilled, and uh, I was thrilled, John was thrilled, I think Hassan's thrilled. I think it's gonna. It's it's safe. It's socially distanced. Uh, so get some tickets now before they're gone. And now enjoy a really nice conversation with an old friend, Jimmy Kimmel. When you did radio, did you used to work your own board? Oh well, um, yeah. When I did my own show, yeah, sure. It's so funny, like, because you worked in, like, all different... You lived in all different cities and did radio in all different cities, right? I lived... If you want to hear them, I'll, I'll rattle them off for you. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, of course, yeah. Started in... Col- actually started doing college radio in high school in Las Vegas, and I worked... Uh, wow. I didn't have a job, but I called into a commercial station. Vegas, Phoenix, Seattle, back to Phoenix, Tampa, Palm Springs, <laughs> Tucson, L.A. Those were the markets I was uh. in. And of course, uh, somehow you've been pinned as uh, very Hollywood. Oh, yes, I'm very Hollywood. I'll tell you the worst part of the whole thing was I got married when I was 20 years old. Wow. And that was the worst part. No. And and (laughs) I got married when I was 20. And my ex-wife decided that we would register as people who are in their early 20s do for China. For And that yes. was our wedding registry, was China. And so almost everyone got us a place setting that was valued at like $87. And I was I was very upset because 87 was a lot of dollars. And That's I thought, a lot of bucks. And it was 1987, yeah. And I thought, you know, why we, you know, we could use money is really what we could use. <laughs> right, exactly. But every time I'd get fired from one of those radio jobs, I had to pack up the china that we literally never used one single oh time. Oh my gosh! And I had to carefully pack this china in a bunch of boxes and move it, oftentimes completely across the country. And it. Oh it, my god! If there's one thing that that encapsulates my <laughs> overall frustration at that age was dragging this china from city to city to city. I don't even know where it is. I have no idea where it is. I'm sure it's in a garage That's somewhere. A but riot. Uh, yeah. That's it. I feel like that is like quintessential the childhood thing that and adulthood thing that that you, that you feel like you have no use for is fancy dishware. Yeah, and not only that when you're 20 and you wind up getting married. Like I had no I played no role in the wedding whatsoever. I mean, basically, mm-hmm. I, I went to Costco, I bought a wedding ring, and that was it. And <laughs> and so I didn't know how things uh, were supposed to be done. So I took my ex-wife and my mom's word for it that, yes, you must have China. I mean, you if you're married, oh my gosh. you have to have China, oh. you have to have a hutch to put it in. So we carried the China <laughs> and the hutch everywhere. Wow. Yeah. How is your... I mean, are you even on vacation? I mean, you've been off... You took off from the show since part of, like, midway through June, I think? Yeah, exactly. How has it been? Because I feel like that's the longest vacation that I know of that you've ever taken. This is the longest vacation I've had since I was 13 years old. (laughs) That's a long stretch. Although, if you count the nine months after I was fired in Seattle and couldn't get another job, I guess that was my longest vacation. But it wasn't really a vacation. It was very stressful. Yes, yes, yes. 
But um, yeah, this is the longest vacation, and I found plenty of work to do on my vacation because because I'm in the house, you know. And um, what are you gonna do? But I'm hosting the Emmy, so that is taking up part of it. And then even just the the day to day work of the show, not having to do that has been a uh, it's it's just it is relentless, and you don't realize how relentless it is until you get to stop doing it. And you go, oh, yeah, wow. And I'm the worst yeah. too because, like, when I'm working, you probably know this. Like, if you send me an email or something like that, I, I get right back to you, right? I mean, I'm yeah, yeah, that's true. It's true. When I am not working, it is like like nine days will go up. People think I'm dead. Yes. They're like, what's going on? Yeah, he yeah. hasn't. Yeah. And it's just hard for me to break that seal and get back into into my computer using it for work you know because what were you doing were you did you like on your vacation did you go fishing i did i went up to idaho a couple of times um mostly we sat around the house we bought an rv and when i say we bought an rv i bought an rv (laughs) (laughs) and the only reason i bought one was because there were none for rent it was impossible to find one. Oh yeah 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 that makes sense and i thought oh yeah i would love to have a winnebago even though i have nowhere to park it i would really like to have one so uh i bought one and my wife was suspect but it turned out to be great (laughs) it really was great i mean i got two flat tires and in in Hurricane Utah, which is spelled hurricane, but they all say hurricane, and had to have those replaced. But other than that, it was kind of a dream. Oh, my gosh. I recommend it. That's how you ended up on the podcast, because you texted me that you were listening to the podcast in the Winnebago. You know what? I might only be alive. Were it not for you, I'm not sure that I would be alive right now, because it was... Long story, even longer, I, I wind up... It's like two o'clock in the morning and I'm still driving this RV and my wife, Molly, and the kids are sound asleep. They've been sound asleep for hours. And I'm now visualizing a fiery crash. I'm having all these horrible thoughts to keep me awake. And I thought, oh, oh, let me listen to my, because, you know, I never have time to listen to stuff. So I I have my drive to work is three miles and, you know, I, I really don't have a lot of time to listen. So. I thought, let me listen to all of Mike's podcasts. And so I listened to all of your podcasts. And here I am, still alive. Yeah, because I was like, I was, you texted me that you listened to them. You're alive, which is the most important part of the story. But (laughs) but then I said, you should come on the show. You don't do stand-up comedy, but... Your, I feel like your slow round answers would be a, enough for the episode. Well, and it, I because I yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on the show as I was listening. <laughs> Please, yes, we always want thoughts. Well, none of them are negative, really. But I feel like the the, yeah. the essential premise of the show, working it out. Mm-hmm. I feel like not, and I've listened to all of them. I feel like nothing mm-hmm. gets worked out. Really? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. It, sometimes it kind of gets a little worked out, but it never gets worked out. To me, getting worked out, it means you've settled it at the end. Oh, I know you're right. You know? Uh-huh, it's a totally fair critique. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that Una wanted me to say hi to Billy and Jane. Oh, yes. Um, Una spent some time with Billy and Jane when we were in Los Angeles, and she loves, spend, you know, because Jane is like a big sister to her when, the, you know, she's... I have she to apologize me. to you, and I, I oh, yeah. should, because I know we, we talked about getting the kids on on a Zoom, but I have to say the most unpleasant experience that we have is trying to get our children on a Zoom because my daughter oh. has, you know, she's got school Zoom, which are crazy, by the way, which are oh. completely unnecessary as far as I'm concerned. She's in <laughs> kindergarten. Like, what are they really learning in the first place? Why do they have to sit in front of a computer from nine yeah. o'clock in the morning until two thirty in the afternoon, and then yeah. we have to sit in the room, making sure yeah. she's watching the computer. It's like I, I feel like I'm um, I'm torturing them by making them sit in front yeah. of the computer. It's a weird thing. They hate it. It's very strange. Yeah, last night Una was playing games on the computer, which I'd never seen her do, and I go to Jen, "What's she doing?" She goes, <laughs> "Well, for." They, they, the school said that she has to learn how to use a computer. She's five. <laughs> you know, so she's learning from, like, you know, peg and cat games on, on the computer. We got a form today emailed to us um, that it's like one of these, like, agreements that, that you have to sign, but it's for the children. And the agreement, yeah. and boy, I wish I had it right in front of me right now, but the agreement is 
it's like legalese, and it's for the children to look at about, I understand that uh, things I see on the internet aren't necessarily true just because they're on the internet. And I mean, it's really uh, completely unnecessary for a six-year-old to be able to distinguish between the uh, Russian bots putting information on on Facebook or something. But uh, it is, I mean, I looked at it, I was like, is this, am I nuts or is this crazy? I mean, this is, this is just crazy to me that the, you know, I mean, basically what are you supposed to tell your kids? Don't talk to strangers. Don't give out your phone number. Don't give out your real name. And yeah. kind of that's it, right? Right. I mean, at this point, at age six, but there are so many rules now. There was a scam for my that my parents sent us the other day. They were like, "Is this okay?" It was like, it was this really well designed Ugh. Amazon email. That was like, you ordered this $3,000 computer and this $1,000 router just to make sure you don't get charged. Call this number to confirm. And my my parents, of course, thought it was real and then mentioned, you know, emailed me and my siblings. And then Joe, like my brother Joe, wrote this long email explaining like what this is. And he's my brother's like, it's almost like his part time job is like, is just debunking phishing scams that might uh, target my parents. It's horrible. Don't you feel like, I mean, I've had, and I'm pretty savvy when it comes to the internet and this sort of thing, and there are emails, and weirdly, like, they're always a little off. It's like, um, like they'll take a picture of the text instead of scanning it or instead of, uh, you know. Yes, exactly. I'm looking at this form right now. I pulled it up. It's, I will keep my passwords private and only share them with my family. <laughs> this is for children? I will tell a trusted adult if anyone online makes me feel uncomfortable, sad, or unsafe. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, I mean... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I will not pretend that I created something that's not actually my own work. So we're, oh. the kids have to sign a form saying oh they won't plagiarize, which not one of them can spell. <laughs> oh, nor I. Um, <laughs> Billy, Billy and Jane, uh, more likely Jane, taught my daughter, uh, Uh-oh. guess what, chicken butt. Oh, yeah, and, uh, right, right. And then also the follow-up to that, which was just, I think, guess what, uh, nothing. <laughs> uh, guess what, nothing, you know, and then... <laughs> So that stuck for like months, and uh, <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah, I have yeah, actually optioned the rights to that. I've actually optioned the rights to. I'm working with Pixar right now for Guess What Chicken Butt. Oh, you could do Guess What Chicken Butt as a as a feature film for sure. A hundred percent. Actually, edit this out of the podcast so yeah, we sure. can make millions off of it. <laughs> do you remember a smell from childhood? Is there anything that sticks with you? Yes, there are two things. And um, one of them is my grandmother making uh, we call gravy, you know, spaghetti sauce. Yeah. You could smell it. (laughs) When we would pull into the driveway, I could smell it. And it would make me ravenously hungry instantly. And my grandmother would give me a bowl of gravy and a like half a loaf of Italian bread. And I just sit there and mop it up. And she loved that I loved it, you know, because for everyone else in the house, it was just dinner tonight. And for me, it was something that I I feasted on. And also where I learned that it's okay to eat like a whole loaf of bread in one sitting. Yeah. I think the other smell is being punched in the nose, which... (laughs) The blood smell? Yeah, you know that weird smell and it's kind of pleasant, like you kind of enjoy it? Uh, Being punched in the nose has like a... a special numb feeling and a smell associated with it that I associate with my childhood. I got punched quite a bit as a kid. Did you a get lot. punched as a kid a bit? You did. Uh, yes, a lot. Um, in Brooklyn especially, it, there was a lot of fighting. It was almost like a sport, but there were a couple of big kids around the block named Eddie Fahey and Tommy Black who would, uh, <laughs> who were like three or four years older than we were, and they'd just come over and beat us up sometimes. I do remember, like, once it was snowing, and um, they came over to beat us up, me and my friend Mark, and um, and and one, and it was snowing with the sole with the sole intention of beating you up. This kid, I forget if it was it was Eddie or Tommy, but one of them 
grabbed me by the back of the hair, like a whole handful of hair, and rubbed my face into the cold, snowy sidewalk hard. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you learn that? I guess from a big brother or something, but... Yeah, or a dad. I mean, that was that's the thing is I had to come to grips with is I, I, I in ninth grade I got beat up by I I say a fake name because it's <laughs> for legal reasons Joey oh. Grigioni this guy <laughs> this guy really came after me hard and he just really beat the crap out of me. He's from Worcester, uh, which is a you know a, t- a tougher town than Shrewsbury, which is where I lived, and uh, and he just beat the crap out of me. You know threw me down and, and just punched me in the back of the head over and over again. And it was really traumatizing. And it was and there was a lot of, like, follow-up other people beating me up because they heard he had beat me up. You, you ever see that sort of ch- the chain reaction beat-ups where they go, oh, no, he's good to beat up. He's good to practice on. But, but yeah, and it was this weird thing where, I yeah, I would get punched at St. John's School, like, quite a bit, but one time, a friend of mine, Rich, this guy Rich, who lived, who, who who sat in front of me, I don't know if you had this in classes, sat in front of me in every class because his last name was B.N. Cooley and yep. mine is Berbiglia. I had Paul Kaplan and Tyler Kellner, always, my yes, two friends. So you just, you just, every class, yep. every class, Rich B.N. Cooley. And, uh, and one time he said to me, he goes, well, you know, because I was so upset about getting the crap beat out of me. And he goes, well, you know, the thing with Joey is like, I don't think his dad is so nice to him, you know. Wow. And it was one of the it was one of these things where yeah, even being in ninth grade, I could see like, ah man, that, that that's that hurts. surprisingly insightful for a, a young person because I, I didn't have thoughts like that until I was, you know, and I I'm just now having them for the first time. <laughs> that that empathy. <laughs> right. Stepping away from Jimmy Kimmel to send a shout out to our sponsor, Magic Spoon Cereal. Didn't know what Magic Spoon Cereal was. They sent me a whole variety pack, cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry. It's got no sugar. It's got 11 grams of protein. Now I'm addicted to it. Now my whole staff of of this podcast is addicted to it. Mabel and Peter and Joe. If you go to magicspoon.com slash brubigs, with the promo code BRUBIGS at checkout, you get free shipping. I would try it. It is addictive, and you'll thank me, and you can uh, thank me on Twitter or whatever. All right, back to the show. Do you have an injury that you've had in your life that you felt like would never go away? I have one that will never go away, and it's the dumbest (laughs) injury and I'll show it to you next time I see you. But I have a weird gelatinous lump on my shin, on my oh, right dear. shin. And oh. it was, <laughs> I had these heavy-duty <laughs> chili bowls from the Pottery Barn. And, you know, you make chili, what, like once a year? So that yeah. once a year came, and I was trying to separate one bowl from the other bowl. They were stuck together. And I pulled the bottom bowl and smashed onto my shin and caused, like, yeah, kind of Whoa. a geyser of blood. But I didn't want to go to the hospital and so I, I laid around the house for about uh, 12 hours bleeding before I finally said, okay, this is not going to stop on its own. But now, it, you know, it's no big deal. But now when I step down, blood fills this. It's a weird hole in my shin and oh blood fills God. it and it bulges. And it's really, if you notice it, you'll never be able to look at my legs again. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> it is a gross, movable lump. I have to say, look, in some ways to be married to you, is your what a catch, dream, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> in some ways, in what ways? In some ways, <laughs> in many ways, <laughs> in many ways that escape but, me right now. Yeah. However, there are other ways in which you are a doozy of a person to be married to because oh. you have, in, just in this conversation, named two incidents: one having to do with the RV, yeah. and the other to do with a geyser of blood in your shin. Where you're like, yeah, I'm not going to go to the hospital. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm optimistic, and uh, that does not always serve me well. I always think it's going to be fine. Like, somebody's like, hey, uh, you know, I I just want you to know I've got cancer, and I'll be just like, it's going to be fine. And, I, you know, I don't say it to them because I know they don't want to hear it, but in my head— 
it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And I just keep like thinking it's going to be fine. And I wish that visualization meant something. It means nothing. I understand that, but I cannot, um, I, I just don't want to have that negative thought in my head. And I, I just, I know that, I know eventually my parents are going to die. My grandparents are all yeah, dead. I yeah, know whatever, yeah, yeah. but it's not happening any time. It's not in the plan, really. Like none oh of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so stuff like bleeding, I figure, oh, it's going to stop. I don't need to go to the hospital. Or um, do you really need to put unleaded in a car that says unleaded only? Wouldn't it be cheaper <laughs> if we put regular in there? <laughs> yeah. And then you wind up in the middle of a field being towed by two scary guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that that's, that's probably part of what Molly appreciates about you is that you're the person in the marriage who says it's going to be okay. Because uh, in, in my relationship, too. I have the... Oh, she is too. Okay. I think so. I, I think so. But in my relationship, it's like, I feel like in every marriage, there's the person who's like, the sky is falling, and then there's a person who's like, it's going to be okay. And in my yeah. marriage, I have by default become the person who says it's going to be okay. And lately, I'm not convinced. You know what I mean? And right. like, and, and, and so that's been, I think that's one of the cha most challenging things since March has been like going like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I feel the same way. I, I don't want to say it's going to be okay because I'm not certain that it is going to be okay. And we all yeah. know what it is. It is everything. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah it's it's everything. everything. And it's funny to look back on the things we were worried about, like five years ago. I mean, like five oh, I years know. ago, I was putting a bucket in the shower so that <laughs> I could like use the, reuse the water to water the plants and stuff because I was, you know, I was like, oh my God, we're going to run out of water. Now I'm like, the hell with the water. We're getting everything else. Oh know, this is the least of our problems. <laughs> but I really was like, you know, I mean, that's the stuff yeah. we had the luxury of being worried about things that are at now seem fanciful. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any... But don't worry, Mike. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for saying it. Um, do, you have a do you have a neighbor from childhood who, who was particularly memorable? I had a guy who lived next door to Cleto named Ray. And Ray... All my neighbors were memorable, but Ray was a drunk. And, like, he was a drunk like an Andy Griffith show type drunk. Like, he was, you know, just always drunk. And his hair was... All, he had, like... He was about 70 years old, but he had... A huge head of hair, white hair, and he oh was always God. wearing a mechanic's jumpsuit, even though he was not a mechanic. He was uh, retired. But Ray would sometimes have conversations with uh, with Cleto's dog, Springer. And he, mm. for whatever reason, thought Springer's name was Brandy. I think there may have been a dog in his past named Brandy. And so he would constantly call Springer Brandy. And, he, and I remember a conversation <laughs> that I listened in on and recounted to Cleto's family, which was, Brandy, you're a crazy, crazy dog, <laughs> but you'll never have any pups. Because you're oh a Meanwhile, God. Brandy was a male. Uh, I mean, Springer, not even Brandy. Dog's name was a Brandy. But he had a long monologue with the dog that I, I remembered as best as I could. And we used to say it over and over again. Ray. You're never going to have any pups. How come? Um. Well, there was never a plan for the dog to have pups. I think he wanted <laughs> a puppy from Brandy and was unable to get it and uh, was commiserating with the dog. <laughs> but there was Ray. Yeah, we had a lot of characters. We had a guy named Mike Schilling who we used to babysit for. Yeah. Uh, Cleto and I, he would pay a dollar an hour, not to each of us, do one dollar an hour. <laughs> and, and for whatever reason, he had a dog too named Shamus. And for whatever reason, we thought it would be funny to clean up. Shamus had crapped in the yard to scoop that up. And to put it in, Mike had a hat hanging on a doorknob. And oh so gosh. we scooped the sh dog shit up and put it in his hat and rehung it carefully on the doorknob. And in our minds, Mike would maybe a few days later grab his hat and dog shit would fall out. And he'd be like, how the hell did Shama shit in my hat? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because you, to your core love pranks oh, and it feels like it goes to childhood like it goes guy, to the shit in the hat 
this guy, Mike, he had a, um, it was a Hanukkah bush. It wasn't a Christmas tree. It was a Hanukkah bush. And <laughs> he tried to throw it out. You know, you, you just put it out on the curb and the garbage men would come once a week and they take your, your Christmas tree. So Mike yeah. would put his Christmas tree uh, or Hanukkah bush out. And um, that night, late at night, Cleto and I, would sneak over to his house and we'd take it out of the garbage area and we'd stuff it right against his front door, like jam it into his front door. And so the garbage yeah. man would come in the morning and they wouldn't take the tree and he'd be like, "How the, why is this tree in my front door? And we did yeah. this for, in my imagination, we did it like 11 weeks in a row. But to the <laughs> point where Mike on garbage, the night before garbage morning would sleep on the couch by the front window and we would even though we were in school and getting up at six o'clock to go to school we would stay we would outlast him and we would wait until those lights went out and we could see him sleeping when once he fell asleep we would tiptoe across the street and again take the tree and jam it in his front and we just thought this was the funniest goddamn thing yeah. in the world and finally, he threw it in his car and took it to the dump or something, and it ended. But it was a good prank while it was going. You just have, I feel like you have pranks in your bones. I just, it makes me laugh so hard. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I know it's terrible. I know a lot of people have no taste for it. But, like, if I were to yeah, see, yeah. like, I just remember being in college and sitting uh, in the cafeteria, and there was a really big glass wall. It wasn't a door. It was a wall. And people yeah. would walk into it all the time thinking it was an open space and oh i would just gosh. sit there and watch like this was my entertainment i would sit there and oh watch people gosh. walk into this class wow and i'd be crying laughing it was you know it's just i don't know what it is it just it does that stuff makes me laugh really really hard and always has since i was a well, young boy i think boy. it's like it's i think at its core it's like a people watching uh hobby yes but it's people watching like with experiments involved. with a surprise punchline at yes, the end with a twist with a twist <laughs> i love predictability now i know most people like feel the opposite but yeah. like i have an aunt chippy my aunt chippy who is who never disappoints and you know there are people you go like oh this guy's really funny where do you see this guy and then you get the person yeah, together yeah. and the person's not that funny you're like oh you don't yeah, really yeah. know him yet you gotta you know well my aunt shippy within one minute of meeting her sells it and is exactly what you hope she is and does exactly what you hope she does and i love it when i know somebody and i know what they're gonna do and they do it it makes me yeah. laugh and it's a weird thing like like yeah. I, I i have a friend named mike august who who has never picked up the check for anything. And ever, <laughs> and he, he almost always drives. That's like his kind of contribution if we go to a concert yeah. or something. But there's no yeah. greater joy for me than we pull up to the parking lot at a concert and he rolls down his window and there's the guy waiting to take, you know, for the $20 oh or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Mike, and just watching Mike try to like, get out of it or get someone else to pay for it. It is, oh my I, gosh. I, I love, I just I love it. I don't know what it is, but I love watching it. I want to do an episode of the show that's dedicated just to voting. Because in April, I was going to do a, a, a tour at colleges that encourages young people to vote called Stand Up and Vote. And so one of the questions I'm toying with is doing a slow round question for it where I ask people, What's a thing when you were a kid that you never cared about, but you care about now? Like, in other yeah. words, like, it, why, why would you bother voting, essentially? Mm-hmm. Well, can you imagine that we have to go around and remind these shitheads to vote? I mean, what the? <laughs> I, seriously. It should be like, hey, asshole, vote. That's it. Don't. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have to. I should have yeah. to convince you that this is a good idea. If you're not convinced by now, yeah. <laughs> forget about yeah. it. You're, you know, but. um Oh, well, yeah, there's so many things that are important now that um that weren't when you were a kid and. I mean, like, yeah, like everything. Uh, uh, let me think of an example of something that... Do you think your turning point was having children? Well, no. Uh, I know that sounds weird, but, like, I feel like when you had Una, you'd you'd gone through a lot and you, you arrived at that time where you decided you were going to have a kid. Yeah. I had a baby when I was 24 years old. 
Yeah. Um, it was just, it really was, it was like the China almost. It was like, okay, yeah, now yeah. you're married. Now you have a job. <laughs> now you have a kid. Uh, now you have another kid. And that's yeah. it. There wasn't a lot of uh, planning or there was no journey to get there. It just, sure. yeah, yeah. It was yeah. just like, oh, okay. Oh, we have a kid. Uh, okay. All right. Great. Uh, yeah. and, you know, yeah. I was into it. But I was also a child. And now I look at, yeah. you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Katie, is 29 years old. She just turned 29. Wow. And she's five years older than I was when I had her. And yeah, that's wild. They have yeah. no interest in this when I tell them. I was like, you realize, like, you were five. Like, imagine yourself <laughs> right now with a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Okay, that's the, but they yeah. don't care, you know, anything that, and it doesn't really mean anything to them. But. Uh, when did things change? For me, weirdly, 9-11 was a time uh, mm, uh, of yeah. uh, reflection in my life. And I and when I realized that it wasn't we aren't going to live forever. Mm, and um, yeah. I know it's kind of dumb that it takes a big event like that, but I think everybody, you know, you have this feeling that you're invulnerable and you're gonna live forever. No, same thing, but, same thing for me. I had cancer yeah. when I was 19, and from that point on, I viewed the world completely differently. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, to me, that's a reasonable, that's that, that's very reasonable. And and do you think you view the world, do you think that was a good thing for you or a bad thing or some mixture? <laughs> it, was good, it was good for my career. Yeah, right. Um, it, was, it really, like, made me go, well, I better succeed quickly because I may not be alive at 30. Uh, well, you're and, an interesting and, character, I have to say, Mike. No jokes aside, you've been through a, a lot of, you've had a difficult life compared to most people. But you do seem to be pretty easygoing, and you seem to be open to a lot of things, I think. Things that we laugh at, I mean, you know, just your, your sleep disorder is something yeah. that I know I've asked you a thousand questions about it. I have 10,000 yeah. more questions to ask you about. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, these are like serious things that you've made into, you know, into art, you know. Thanks. I appreciate it. I mean, I think I'm... I think I'm uh, easygoing is a is a complex phrase. Let me give you <laughs> let me give you an example of, of you. Okay, okay, okay. So when I make dinner, and you've been to my house for dinner, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. I, I what happens at the end? I always make too much food. It's you know, it's just a thing, always. <laughs> And by yes. the way, you know, I really like, you know, when I, I saw your last name and, uh, you know, okay, we're both Italian. I feel like Sebastian Maniscalco compared to you, Italian-wise. <laughs> yes, you're heavy Italian. <laughs> yes. But anyway, um, so um, at the end of the meal, which I will almost always do, I will say, do you want to take any of this home? Because sure. I know I, I almost never eat leftovers because I've been cooking it all day. I'm sick of it by the time it, sure. it's, uh, you know. And you said, yes, I would like to take this home. And I will just say that I appreciate that. We don't go through the whole like, uh, you know, even if you're going to throw it out or in the in the case yeah. uh, of when you were here at my house, accidentally drop it on the ground <laughs> as, you, <laughs> as you leave, which I still have the video of you cleaning uh, it all up <laughs> from I my security for the listeners, video. I, I, I had dinner. Jimmy made us dinner, which was really nice. And then I took meatballs in a box to go and I dropped them essentially <laughs> on their front gate. And then like, I'd like grabbed them and like stuffed them in the box. And it's then a very funny video. I happen to have a security <laughs> camera out front of the house and, uh, and instantly that's what I, I went oh, to. Gosh. <laughs> but, um, but you know, just to do that, you'd be surprised. Most people are like, Oh no, I don't want, you know, like they think it's an imposition, um, or they don't actually want it, or yeah. there's yeah, always yeah. A, like an art, like a thing. No, it's no, I'll put it in a whatever. You're like, yeah, sure. And I imagine that had you not dropped it on the ground, you probably would have eaten it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I don't know. I know this sounds mundane, but I, I no, I know. You're I want saying. you to know I mean, how rare this is. How very okay. rare it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that I'm. Uh, I I don't I don't think easygoing is the word, although, and it's certainly not the word Jen would use to describe <laughs> me, uh, because I'm a you know I'm a, a severe workaholic, and uh, but but yeah, I think I I would say I'm open, and that and then to get back to the premise of the show, it's like that was that's the premise of the show is like I I sort of take you know criticism on jokes or pitches on jokes and things like that. 
And your your note about it is that it doesn't get worked out. My response to that would be actually, it's the beginning of a working out that's going to be <laughs> that's going to take you know a year or two because I don't have an audience. Right. Um, right. I have to. I really honestly with my jokes. Like by the time you saw the new one, I had put those jokes in front of a hundred audiences. Right. You know, and so every night I'm like tweaking it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So in some ways, like what people are privy to when they listen to the podcast is they're just listening to me tweak something a little bit. Yeah. Well, I have a different way of, uh, because of the nature of my job where I'm doing a different monologue every night, I never get the chance to oh my gosh, refine anything. So, which in a way, it's a blessing in some ways because. You know, I know I've seen the metamorphosis that sometimes you get a joke and it's pretty good and then you make it great and then yeah, you get yeah, a, sure. and then you get away from what made it great and you don't know what happened and why it's not as great anymore and the people who do a really good job of of remembering and recording where they were six months ago, we'll go back to it and go, whoa, did I change a, a word or did I, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, what happened? Why doesn't that joke work as well anymore and you're really like a scientist with that stuff i i, I think and um i'm more of a i'm just you know just grinding the meat and uh and making hamburger patties and then back to grinding the meat you know you have the, the so for me working it out would the closest thing i get to working it out is having a conversation with one other person about a joke right 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 or waking my wife up in the night <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know what's so weird? When I think about you, like, it's a very strange, being friends with you, and I don't know if this is relatable to people, or it, may, it might not be relatable, but being friends with you is very strange because um, <laughs> you are, no, no, because it is a very normal, uh, typical friendship that it just so happens that you have a talk show that millions of people watch every night. And then also the right wing like smears you with all these crazy like out of context clips and stuff. And so then I'll talk to people like in my family who are like in the sort of Fox News bubble. Right. And they'll go like, what's Jimmy Kimmel? Like you're friends with Jimmy Kimmel? Like what's that? And I'm like, it's like any of your friends who you like. They're he's a great guy, you know. It's a very strange thing that I I like. You know what's you even weirder is that I have relatives of my own who oh my God, no. who know no. me and who love me <laughs> and who still continue to watch some of these these no people way. who say these horrible things about me. And and it's hard for me to compute because I go like, hey, you know. Like if somebody was saying something about my uncle, yes. um, I, I I would you know I, there's no I, I would I certainly wouldn't watch them. I certainly wouldn't keep yeah. them on my TiVo, you know. Um, <laughs> right. And it's really uh, hurtful when you know I don't care about strangers, whatever. I think a lot of people thought I was someone that I'm not uh, based on the Man Show, and that's I mean they, listen, I that's I take responsibility for it, and they're, they're disappointed when they find out that I'm I'm not who they thought I was or wanted me to be. Sure, sure. But when it's somebody that really knows me and who is able to weirdly separate um, those two things, that they're able to separate a, a person who says false and terrible things about me on television and will keep watching that person, even though they know those things are not true yeah, with every yeah. fiber of their being, they're somehow able to uh. separate it. And, and it's really uh, frustrating. I have to say it's especially frustrating for my wife who goes like, you know, if you keep watching that, you are not in our family anymore, yeah. you know, like that kind of yeah. thing. And I just have to believe that they're just not really thinking it through. That's, that's all I can, I, or they don't, think I care, you know, or whatever, but, right. you know. Or that you're, in, you're impenetrable or something, that, you, that, that it doesn't hurt you, but it does. Yeah, of course it does. And it's also, painful. like, they, you know, they take things that were comedy bits and then they, they, they cut all the comedy out of them and they make them like, you know, uh, you oh, know look at this animal. <laughs> you know? Of course. And you can't, listen, if you don't know, of course you go, yeah, what an animal. I mean, I, I might be looking at it and going, well, look at that animal. What that fat yeah. animal, what was he up to? Here's some material that I'm working on. Okay, uh, good. All right. 
which is uh, <laughs> we have um, we, my my wife and I have this problem uh, parenting because because um, our daughter is a genius and these other <laughs> kids are morons and uh, it's and it's a problem because she's also more thoughtful and and uh, and what's, what makes it stranger is that we're also geniuses which makes it hard for us to explain to the other parents because they're morons also and. Uh, She's 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 five. She's five. Her daughter's five, and she wants to be an archaeologist. But I have to keep explaining to her that the money is garbage. And then she wants to be a teacher, and I'm like, "Good luck dealing with that union." And then she said she wanted to be a veterinarian, and I said, "Well, ninety percent of that job is euthanizing cats." And then she moved away with her mom permanently, so we no longer live in the same home. So that, that's sort of the end of that bit. You know what? It's, you know, I think that's great, and I think that my my wife and I will have similar conversations about. Um, our children and your brilliant espe- children, especially our daughter. Our son is a, ma- a full-on maniac. I mean, he will look in your <laughs> eyes. He will make eye contact with you. And you say, "Billy, do not throw your food." And he says, "He will say to you, I'm sorry. I promise, I won't throw my food anymore." And you say, "Okay." And without breaking eye contact, he will pick the food up on his plate. He won't even look at it. He will pick a piece of food up and throw it right over your head. Oh my god! And, that's so and great. you know what I do? I laugh, and it's the worst thing you can possibly do. But my wife and I, when we lay in bed and recount how wonderful our children are, we will always say. Um, Boy, everyone would hate us if they saw this right now. I mean, like, they would hate us. They would hate our kids. And I found that the only people you can have because you hate us, they would hate our kid. Yeah, you can only have these types of conversations with your own parents. That's it. With their grandparents. That yeah. is lit- like you can't even have it with siblings because siblings have their kids and then yes. you know they oh, start yeah, yeah, yeah. you know whatever you can't have it even with um, siblings that don't have kids it still yes. doesn't feel right because it's like well you don't yes. have kids we haven't seen whatever the only people you can engage in that obnoxious and really let's yes. be honest it's all self congratulation it is oh of course maybe- of course it is. It is not about the children at all. It's look <laughs> at me. Look at what I have created. <laughs> that's it. Oh, that's all, that's look exactly, at how wonderful I am. <laughs> that leads into the next joke I wrote, which is my wife wrote a poem about our daughter's eyes and how they look like little blueberries. And it's, <laughs> and it's beautiful, except that... She has my eyes. I mean, I'm like, where's my poem? Like, I, I could be, I could. It doesn't have to be blueberries, you know. It could be strawberries, kumquats, whatever it is. But it's like, I like the, these are the first generation eyes. Those are the blueberries 2.0. And I've known her credit. longer. Yeah, I want credit for the eyes. <laughs> I, these are the originals. <laughs> I got the original blueberry eyes. <laughs> you do have strikingly beautiful eyes. I will say that. I've not written a poem about it. I Finally, feel, uh, somebody said it. <laughs> this is a bit that I was working on that actually I start that when Judd Apatow was on, he wanted me to actually, this is a great example of a bit that started with Judd Apatow suggesting I tell the story. And then since I did on that episode, I wrote more. So, oh, so good. To your I, point, I will listen Jimmy, to this. this I listen to this. Yeah, this. This, yeah, this is a good, good example of, 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 yeah. of the, the show, show should be called having development. Working it through, I think, maybe is my, my <laughs> you might want to, working it through <laughs> or working on it. <laughs> so, the, so the joke is I was in okay. Judd Apatow's movie Trainwreck. Right. I played uh, Brie, Brie Larson's husband. Right. And I am criticized for that <laughs> on social media to this very day. I am bullied. <laughs> By people who who write, Mike Barbiglia is Brie Larson's husband. And I'm just like, who wins in that tweet? Does Brie Larson just win more? You know, it's like, I'm the person who played her. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm the person who played her husband. The plot point of which was that she has settled in her life. The plot point was not that she was marrying up. And I, like a hero, stepped into the role. And I go on Twitter, and it says, Mike Birbiglia plays Brie Larson's husband in what goddamn universe? I'm like, the universe of a movie. The same universe. Do you, do you understand you're the watching same a universe movie? 
where yeah. Brie Larson shoots lasers out of her fists. Oh, oh my gosh, that's great. And that yes. we don't ex- we don't have a problem with. Yeah. Well, that, um, that's a that's a great bill because mine was the same the same universe where Tom Cruise plays a Nazi but doesn't have a German accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting choice. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had it could be a lot of those, but I like yours because it brings it into Brie Larson's roles. But specifically I, I have, to like, Brie Larson. Yeah, but the 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 same universe where a medium sized alien heals boo boos and eats Reese's pieces. Like no. <laughs> No one's, no one's on Twitter being like an alien eats peanut butter candies in what universe? You get this a lot. You got this with the Paul Rudd thing too. Another I, yeah, version I, I of do. this. I you do. Know? I feel like there's a lot of resistance to me being in movies. <laughs> it's yeah. People uh, don't want it. Yeah. No, I don't think they don't want it. I think that people probably identify with you in some way. A lot of guys will identify with you sure. and then they will extrapolate and maybe they, maybe they, they see the women that they're dating or that they're married to and it suddenly sure. makes them angry. It's not Brie Larson. Yeah. <laughs> if they meet your real wife, they'll be really mad. That's like, the thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that's what I pointed like, out. It's like, it, it, I, I, that, that's actually one of my points is that Judd Apatow is married to Leslie Mann. Like, yes. you know, that's his real life. That's his real life. So the idea you can't punch above your weight class is it's not realistic. It happened to, it happened to me, as you're mentioning. I, I always say to, about my wife that I married up. You know, she's, she's yeah. gorgeous. She's brilliant. Ideally, then, it happens to all of us. I mean, that's the way. To, that's the way to go, right? I mean, that's it. I mean, I feel bad for our wives, but of course, for us, course. things worked out great. <laughs> no, I it's, mean, you have a you have a you have a geyser of blood in your in your shin. <laughs> that's not fun to be married to, but you no, know, no one would want that. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, my uh, weird little lump. Well, that's what we. Uh, that's what. So my wife and I talk about that whole that married up concept a lot because like I always say I, ma- I married up and she says she generously says she married up and then we were with a couple one time where we were talking about that topic and they said they both said they married down and we were just like oh no like you shouldn't be a couple you know and we're, we're not they joking it but were no, they joking they were not they were not joking and it's not it's not someone oh gosh i don't want to tip off i don't want right. to tip off who it was but it's like it was kind of a crazy moment because it was like what do you even say i thought wow. the whole thing was we all married up kind of thing if you don't i thought that was the idea wow that's that's a sad uh, i don't know how you continue a conversation when both parties say they married down. I mean, otherwise you'd be like, okay, well, what are we going to do about this? Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. What are the next steps? (laughs) But then I I wrote a couple more lines, which are like, uh, Oh yes. I do get why it's irritating to people that my character is basically married to a model, but you know what else is irritating? Life. (laughs) <laughs> life is unfair uh, and just ask anyone with a pre-existing condition and my example of this is for years in my 20s i couldn't afford health care because i had cancer when i was 19 and i'd be on the phone with like you know kaiser permanente and they'd be like this is going to be great we'll just dot all the i's and cross the t's which by the way doesn't apply to capital letters and the woman <laughs> on the phone says one last question do you have any pre-existing conditions and i was like well you know i had a tumor in my like my voice went so high uh it was like the tumor in my bladder when i was 19 and it's and i i just i wrote down like it's amazing how given the circumstances we will downplay a potentially terminal illness. I was like, yeah, cancer. I had cancer, but like fun cancer, like wiffle ball cancer. I had you know, a little and- bit of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh Wow. Which is all to and, and then the where the way that it lands, I don't know if it'll work. I gotta put it in front of an audience, but it's like, which is all to say that being unattractive is a pre-existing condition. <laughs> so I bring it back to that. Yeah, because it. Yeah, you know what? It's good because it does take you um, on a side road of like, 
oh shit, how fucked up is that? This guy had to be on the phone. He needed medical care yeah, and he yeah, couldn't yeah. get it because he had through no fault of his own cancer news 19. And then you take it <laughs> and then you take it back to the uh, <laughs> the joke. It works even better, I think. Yeah. I just want to take a moment to send a shout out to our friends at Helix Mattress. I was skeptical about having sponsors, and then uh, a few started sending me some things, and one of them was Helix Mattress. And now I am a real convert to Helix Mattress. They give you a little quiz. They match up your type of sleep with their soft, medium, or firm settings. It shows up in a box which is nice. You don't have to go to the store. Uh, so you just get a, a box of mattress. You open the box and then you have an amazing mattress. Uh, go to helix.com slash Burbigs. And, and if you use that code, you get $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Helix.com slash Burbigs. I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't recommend it more. I think it's a, a, a joyous Hi. You know, joyous mattress. I'm jumping on the bed. bed. It's a helix bed. Do you like it? I love love it. Jump jump. And now back to the jump, show. Jump. Gosh, I can't get away from pizza jokes. It's like I I don't know what it says about me that I write so many jokes about pizza, but, yeah. uh, well, you love it. I love it. It also is kind of a funny word. It is a funny um, word. Yeah. Yeah. It's I actually a strong out, word. Yeah. It's I point out there. in the book that it's, it's, it, it looks, the word pizza looks like a pizza. It's got the two Z's, which are two slices oh, in yeah, each Z. Right. Right. And then it's got the A, which is a slice. It's mm-hmm. uh, which it, it's the word pizza has five slices of pizza in it, which is a, a rarely uh, uh, is a little known literary device called onomata pizza, <laughs> which is the dumbest joke. <laughs> but my wife loves that joke. Jen loves that. I'm a that. sucker Onom- for the dumb jokes, pizza too. jokes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we are dads after all. Yes, that's right. You must never forget that. But I wrote this thing. I go like after I go, uh, you know. The thing about, you know, there's there's good pizza and there's bad pizza, but there's no ads for good pizza, you know, because b- good pizza is confident in their work. They're like, people will find us. Which, yeah. by the way, a good a good example of good pizza is uh, is is uh, your friend uh, Frank in Brooklyn has F and F Pizzeria, which is phenomenal. By the way, right, and my buddy Chris Bianco as well. Oh yes, um, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Chris Bianco is one of the one of the greats of pizza. Yeah, <laughs> these are these are some of our pizza legends. Pizzas are uh, really. I, I feel I find that when I'm writing jokes, I have to limit my references to pizza, and sometimes I, um, I'll say, let me think of something else because I feel like I, I've I've used this as an example too much, but it's one of the few things that. Is like I mean, even bad pizza is not that bad. You know, it's it's pretty right. good, and so and there aren't many things like that. Uh, that it, like I, when I was on the radio many years ago, I was talking about pizza, and a woman called in and says, "Yeah, no, I don't like pizza," and I, I was like, I, I felt like I'd. <laughs> I uncovered a uh, like a serial killer or something like that. I was <laughs> right, like, "What? You what? Right. You don't like pizza? You don't like any kind of pizza? No? Do you? You like bread? You're like stay on the line. Stay on the line. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, you're making the making the signals to the police in the background. I was getting angry and and a little bit worked up. I, I really like I couldn't genuinely. And it wasn't just a bit. I was just like, what? You don't? What do you mean you don't like pizza? Like what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know because even if you don't like tomatoes. There are other kinds of pizza. If you don't like cheese, there are pizza. Like if you don't like bread, which I don't know anybody that I know people that don't eat bread, but yeah, everyone sure. likes bread. Yeah. So pizza holds a. It's like the word fuck. There are there aren't in the world of food. There's nothing more crystal clear than than pizza. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It pops. It pops. It's a circle made up of 
of not triangles, but (laughs) basically triangles. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a circle made up of triangles. I think that that's fair. And um, and that's kind of miraculous just to start with. There's a simplicity to the shapes. Yeah, it's perfect is what it is. And there are a few things that... Um, that express perfection. And I think that's why uh, it, it comes out of you a lot because it's like, it's just something to, asp- I don't know, it's like, it's something that's to aspire to and that is just always a home run. I made a pizza with Una yesterday. And how would that, how'd that go? Is completely joyful because as you know, mm-hmm. when you can do something with your child that is kind of a home run activity, like the, the, the you know, some version of the dough, the sauce, the cheese, and the oven will manufacture some level of success, right? Yes, yeah. Even if you're not good at it, even if you're yeah. not a pro like you or, or Chris Bianco. And so just being a part of that joy was huge. I mean, there's nothing like it. Yeah, because it's like a lot of the things they do for play, like Play-Doh or whatever, it's like if you could eat Play-Doh, <laughs> yeah. it would be so great because it yeah. smells so good. But then you've got this ball of dough and and you spread it out and the kids um, you put too much cheese always on it, but um, you, you let them. And then for them to feel that satisfaction of something coming out of the oven that they can eat, it's like childbirth in a way. <laughs> it's weird. Yes. So the joke goes, they, they, there's no ads for good pizza. Good pizza is confident in their work. They're like, people will find us bad pizza. is like, we'll do anything. We'll hire a mascot. We'll stay open till 3 a.m. You know, there's no ads for Paris, but there are ads for New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I have this really elaborate analogy. And the question is, how long can you take this ride for? Bad pizza is like someone who you hook up with in your 20s, but you're probably not going to marry. And, <laughs> and, and, you, and in your 20s, you start to think bad pizza is good pizza. You're like, this is pretty good. And then, and then you take some time off from bad pizza, and you try some good pizza, and you're like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> and at, at a certain point, you have to be like, look, bad pizza, I don't know how to tell you this, but if... If you need dipping sauce, you're not good pizza. <laughs> if you need ranch. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, we'll do it. And bad pizza's like, we'll do anything. We'll stick pizza inside our pizza, you know. And you're like, bad pizza, you're breaking my heart. Don't degrade yourself. I, you know, I just need different pizza at this stage of my life. And bad pizza's like, well, you know the number. And I'm like, well, we all know the number. It's in the commercials. And bad pizza's like, we had some good times. You're like, yeah, we had some good times. And then you're like, hey, bad pizza. <laughs> Do you, do you really like football or were you just pretending to like it for me? And Bad Pizza's like, no, it causes concussions. People have severe brain injuries for the rest of their lives. And you're like, then why'd you do it? Why'd you pretend? You know, and Bad Pizza thinks about it, thinks about how maybe in a different life she could have been good pizza and maybe if things would be different, it could have worked out for us. And then she says, at the end of the day, I needed the dough. <laughs> And, and that's the end. It's so, the ending is so stupid, but I bounced it off of a couple friends who are just like, no, it's it's stupid, but it's sort of fun to be stupid. You should go then into, take a beat and go into a huge musical number just out of that, you know, like the old days, like, like Regis would do on stage, you know? Oh I also gosh. think like with the pizza, with the run of the different things it will do for you, like, it, you know, I, you know, do anything. If I'm not here in 30 minutes, you can have me for free. Oh, you know, that's that good. Might be, uh, that's good. You know, those are the those are the people who are really pushing the bad pizza. Yes. Um, during those commercials, you I'm know? shocked in Brooklyn. I have a Domino's <laughs> essentially at my subway stop, and I'm just going like, are, who is? If you live in Brooklyn. <laughs> And Let me tell you ordering something. We are on we are on the same page to the extent that I went on Yelp and wrote a scathing <laughs> denouncement no. of a uh, 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 not that I even ate at the Pizza Hut in in Brooklyn, but I, I just wrote a like if you live in Brooklyn, oh my and gosh. you're eating the, where the greatest pizza is is feet from your home, uh, and you're eating what is wrong? You need to reevaluate your life. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's amazing that we Because had- my uncle Tony loves the meat lovers pizza and he lives right in Brooklyn and he, he knows good pizza. He you know, he's got a great yeah. pizza place yeah, near yeah, his, yeah. his house, but he still there's and I I can only 
All I can come up with as a, an explanation is that he thinks of it as a different thing. He thinks of it as something other than pizza, like it's a like it's an Italian, a giant Italian taco or something like that. Right. Because right. otherwise, it just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's that shocking. That's amazing. Did you have that. a Yelp? Did you have a Yelp alias, or did you do it as yourself? I do. I have a Yelp alias, um, <laughs> oh and it's it's got a lot of numbers in it. And, um, <laughs> and I'll look it up, and I'll send. Can you send me your secret Yelp alias? <laughs> yes. Because I want I want to have a Yelp alias because I I use Yelp all the time because I find it to be. The reason it, it it's, it's not good. all it's not always right, but if you're good at riding the wave uh, of Yelp in terms of you, the metaphor being that you're on a surfboard of Yelp, you can suss out fake reviews versus real reviews. It points you in the right direction. I I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to create an alias on Yelp because I've always wanted to do it anyway. It's going to be secret alias, but then I'm going to write. A five-star review for Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> By the way, we are on Yelp. Our show is on Yelp. And oh, it, it is? kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of I, funny. Like, oh, yeah, I guess it's a business, uh, you know? <laughs> I will say, like, in when people find out that you and I are friends, I actually do field an extraordinary amount of compliments on your behalf. You, oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> be- because I think that what you're doing is – Exactly. I don't pass them on. The, uh, the, I think that despite, you know, random people trying to do hit jobs on you and for various things, I feel like the, your humanity shines through in the show. And I think people get, I think fundamentally at their core, people get that what you want to do is you want to make jokes. You want to do pranks. You want to goof around. And this other stuff that's happening in the country is actually just infuriating. And you, you're, it's like you have to deal with that and then get back to what you actually want to do, which is comedy. <laughs> you know what? Um, you're 100% right. I, I, I feel like this is... This stuff that I now have to deal with is um, is stuff I just, by the way, I don't know if you can hear that. I just screen grabbed my Yelp review of Domino's. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's Domino's in, in Newark, New Jersey. It says, I wrote awful, just awful. Oh this my is gosh, Jersey. No. Eat real pizza. There's no excuse for that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> sorry well anyway um uh, you know what i did i just i i derailed your compliment because i'm uncomfortable with no it. of course but of that course, is nice and yes i would i do wish we, i do wish we didn't have to talk about this stuff but i am grateful that people will listen to it and even honestly hearing you talk about being 19 years old and having uh, you know had cancer and then not being able to get health insurance I don't know how that makes sense to any human being uh, or at least any American because it it is, uh, and you know, I have, you know, fortunately we, we make a good living or whatever, but there are so many people that don't have that and people that I know. And I also know like my son, you know, he's already hit his lifetime cap of, of, yeah. of health insurance. If there are lifetime caps, course, you know, it's like, you know, should a baby hit their lifetime cap of yeah. of health insurance? It's it's, it's nuts. Nobody agrees with that. It's bananas. Like, I don't know. Sorry. So, but anyway, but that, but that uh, brings, you know, that's that important. Brings, to me. That's actually that's actually of course, as it should be. And and it brings us to the final segment, which is working it out for a cause. And and in the past, uh, I know you've contributed a lot uh, to Children's Hospital, and and we could contribute to them today or another nonprofit of your choice. Well, you know, um, I love Children's Hospital Los Angeles. It's a great hospital. It's a training, it's a teaching hospital. So they will teach and train surgeons and doctors, nurses from at this hospital and send them all over the country. You know, like the team that worked on my son, um, one of them is in St. Louis, one of them is in New oh, York. Now, you know, th- they go all over the country. So it's not just a local thing. But there is something local that I, I am supportive of, especially right now here in L.A. It's uh, St. Joseph's Center. They provide um, uh, homes and service and food and, and all these things that people who are homeless right now, particularly 
homeless women who have children. Yeah, um, they yeah. do a really great job, uh, and they've been around for a long time here in L.A., and they're getting a little bit more attention now because our homeless problem is so severe. But St. Yeah. Joseph Center, it's headquartered in uh, Venice, California, and That's they great. do a lot of great stuff. So they're a small charity. Yeah, I'll contribute to them, and I will, uh, I'll link to them in the show notes if people want to contribute as well. Thank you, thank you. Um, Thanks, Jimmy, for uh, for all your support over the years, and and, uh, and Mike, I, I, I you know yeah. I love you. I am I've been a fan since I uh, I first saw you, and um, I enjoy listening to your your podcast, uh, uh, especially on those lonely long drives. <laughs> and <laughs> and right. I, this was fun. I uh, I'll send you the uh, my Yelp review so you can see it, and I'll call you to run my Emmys plan by you. Guess what? What? Chicken butt. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no That was another episode of Working It Out. How about that? Jimmy Kimmel. I could talk to him all day. And he uh, he's a big listener of the show. He had a lot of thoughts. He had a lot of thoughts on the show. Look, he said nothing really gets worked out. I think incrementally it does get worked out. This is the first draft. So even the Brie Larson bit, which you you heard if you listen to all the episodes, the Judd Apatow episode, Judd says, will you tell this Brie Larson story? And I tried it, and then I wrote some more, and then I brought some more to the Jimmy Kimmel episode, and now that's starting to take shape as a bit that might end up in the YMCA pool show. So, uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's baby steps. It's not like I have a talk show where I put out a new monologue every day, but I'm, I'm, I'm developing the, the special over a couple years. And so that, that's sort of how it goes down. I really appreciate you listening. Our producers of Working Out are myself, along with Peter Salomon and Joseph Berbiglia, consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Belinsky, with help from Joel Robbie, assistant editor Mabel Lewis, thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff for that music. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, Jay Hope Stein. Our book, The New One, is in your local bookstore, curbside with my comedy and her poetry. As always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created a radio fort of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who listened. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. We are working it out. 